Coming from the Church of Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut, and featuring the sermons of Pastor Greg Scalzo, this is Shi'ar Jeshub. Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo, and today we will begin listening to the next message in Pastor's series on Heavenly Authority. This sermon was delivered a week before Halloween, and so the reference toward the end of the program. Here is Pastor Greg. Last time in the Heavenly Authority study, we had uh, the division of the kingdom into northern Israel under Jeroboam and southern Judah under Rehoboam. And that brought us, as we study the lives of those two men, those two kings, that brought us really to the end of the background study on heavenly authority in the Old Testament. I think you'll agree that it's been an insightful journey as we've gone from Genesis to 1 Kings to 2 Chronicles to set a solid foundation for what hopefully we'll examine in the New Testament. And actually, it would be of spiritual value to continue to explore all the periods of the different kings of Judah, of northern Israel, uh, to look at the time preceding the Assyrian and the Babylonian captivity, and to go into depth on the return of the Israelites uh, back into Israel to rebuild the temple, to rebuild Jerusalem, and to prepare, prepare the nation for the coming of Messiah. Uh, and such a study would really be a study on the focus of the prophets, right? As you would look chronologically at those events, you would then study the books of the prophets, tying them into the, uh, the events of their days, the major prophets, the minor prophets. Uh, and Lord willing, sometime in the future, we can do a study of, of the prophets. But we need to move forward to see what the New Testament says and teaches about God-given authority and its implementation in the church. And obviously, this is going to be more directly applicable to the study of heavenly authority for us today. So what we'll do today is we're going to hopefully close out the Old Testament by warping ahead from where we left off to look at just three men. And unlike before, we won't spend too much time on each, on the details of their life. Most of the details, uh, most of these men, we, the events that happened, we know about them. But we want to look at a few crisp points that tie in to finalize the background study on heavenly authority. And first, I want you to consider Elijah, Elijah the Tishbite, who epitomizes the office of the prophet. He lived during the 9th century B.C., the 800s B.C., in the northern kingdom during the reign of northern Israel's evil king Ahab, the seventh king of Israel, and Ahab's even more evil wife Jezebel, who took and tried to take the nation of Israel and give it over to Baal, the nature god of the Phoenicians and the Canaanites. Uh, Baal, who is equivalent to Satan. It's Satan worship. And we read in 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 30, that Ahab did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did evil more than all who were before him. Now, we studied Jeroboam, right? And Jeroboam was pretty evil. 
Ahab did more evil than any that were before him. And in verse 31 of uh, 1 Kings chapter 16, And it came to pass, as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took as a wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians. And he went and served Baal and worshipped him. So he's turning the country, the northern kingdom, towards the Baal, the Satan worship, of his wife Jezebel. Then he, verse 32, set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And they had made a wooden image, a wooden image that's literally a Shira pole. A Shira was a Canaanite goddess. So he has Baal in some of their mythologies. A Shira is the a wife of the concubine of Baal. He sets up this wooden image, this literally this Asherah pole. And Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. Jezebel, the wicked, idolatrous queen, is so demonic is so empowered by demons, we'll see that when she speaks, she actually sets fear into the heart of God's prophet Elijah. And the paganism that Ahab and Jezebel introduce into the land leads to immorality. As you read, you see it leads to injustice, and ultimately it leads to the, the killing of God's people. And into this stage comes Elijah. And Elijah clearly displays the role of the prophet. A mighty display that would make Elijah one of the preeminent figures in Hebrew history. The prophet was God's instrument to rebuke and correct the king. We discussed that. And we see that in the life of Elijah. To have a double check on the governmental, the centralized power as they would go away from the Lord, the prophet in Israel would take and rebuke the king, bring the word of God in an attempt to turn the nation around. The prophet was God's instrument to give his word, to speak his instructions to the nation. The prophet would speak about the judgment of God on a wayward nation. And then the prophets many times would give forward revelation about the time of God's salvation, and redemption. And the prophet also was God's instrument to display God's power and his miraculous intervention under God's anointing of the Holy Spirit. And you see that happening in a very mighty way in the case of Elijah. Let me bring your attention to 1 Kings chapter 18, the classic confrontation of the prophet Elijah with the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah, so 850 pagan prophets, all of whom eat at the table of Jezebel. They are supported by the government, by the king Ahab, and Elijah is there making trouble, chastising the king, calling out the prophets of Satan. And you have this tremendous confrontation on Mount Carmel, it says in verse 20, So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel 
and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him, not a word. And this is key to our study of heavenly authority. This direction, this command by Elijah for the people. Elijah saying, choose, decide. How long will you falter between two opinions? Really should be one of the key main teaching, preaching points of anyone called to do ministry, anyone who was placed under heavenly authority, to call the people to decide and compromise no longer. In the world system, you have a lot of what you had in Israel at the time. The people don't answer a word. They don't know what to say. Right? Here's a people that were brought into a promised land, saved out of slavery in Egypt, all by Yahweh, Elohim, the one true God, the only God, and you shall have no other gods before him. And they don't know what to say to Elijah when he says, how long will you falter? How long will you waver between two opinions? If Yahweh is God, then follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. Don't be in the middle. But most of the world is in the middle. The world system likes a little of Baal and a little of God. The church sometimes and people in the church will like a little of Baal and a little of God. And if that's the case, the last thing they want to hear the minister say is, how long will you falter between two opinions? How long will you waver if Jesus Christ is Lord then serve him. If all these imaginations and the ways of the world, the greed of the world, the immorality of the world, the pride of the world, the lust of the world, if that's God, then worship it. Decide. You're neither hot nor cold. You're lukewarm. And because you're lukewarm, what does Jesus say to them? I will spit you out of my mouth. Too often in the church, there is that same attitude. I like the things of Christianity. I like Sunday morning. I like the singing, I like the fellowship, the friendship, I like knowing that I know where I go when I die, but Monday comes along and we're right back acting the way the world acts. And there's a tremendous temptation for ministers to compromise and accept because the people don't want to be pressed too hard to make that ultimate, eternal decision that will impact and change life right here, right now. So Elijah stands up and he says, how long will you falter? You think about this time of year. We read about Baal, and you say, well, they were really bad. Baal, that's like Satan. We don't do things like that in the United States. It's paganism. It's dark, it's death, it's immorality, it's fear. And you think about this time of year, and this celebration we're coming up to of death and sin. And we know that most of the families do it as a little harmless fun. 
I mean, I have I have memories of going around dressed up as a Lone Ranger. Uh, you know, it was cute. And, and you see the little kids in the costumes, and it's cute. And I have nothing against costume parties. But Halloween itself, if you think about what a demonic, satanic holiday it is, it's a celebration of death and evil. All the foundation for it is pagan. They would go around in the, the original holiday, the witches, real witches, people that didn't dress up like a witch and didn't believe in witches, people that saw themselves as witches. And that's happening again today. Now you know there are witches. There are people out there that curse anyone that's a Christian. They are more diligent in their prayers to Satan against you than you can ever imagine, trying to bring in the principalities and powers and dominions to wreck your life, destroy your family, and there are witches today, the young people on the campuses, there are fellas that think they're vampires, they drink blood. None of these things are cute or funny. And to take the innocent children, the most innocent, and set them in such a holiday to celebrate something that is so anti-Christian, the focus of so much evil is on Halloween, and yet in this country, how many Christian families send their kids out with a little bag? How many Christians go to the door and give candy? Why? They don't want to look like they're not part of the crowd. They don't want to appear like they're something different. You can find information about Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle on the web. The address is www.shiarjeshub.org. It is a great site to share with your friends for serious Bible study. That's S-H-E-A-R hyphen J-A-S-H-U-B dot O-R-G. May the Lord Jesus bless you as you serve him.